Hey, hey, PodDuckians, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode number 259. This is Dork Dork Geek, owner-operator of PodNuts.com. Uh, I like to think of myself as a Linux aficionado, trying still to be a guru. Uh, I am joined by a admiral, on the other hand, Admiral Jonathan Nadeau. How are you doing, my man? Ahoy, ahoy, mateys. I was trying to break my greeting salutations, so... I'm doing well, though. Thank you. How are you, Dor? I'm uh, actually getting by here, uh, getting okay. Um, I got to ask, how was your New Year's uh, festivities? Um, uneventful, which is good on my end, you know, when you have five kids, so that, you know, everything that was low-key, hung out with them, brought in, I don't even, actually, honestly, I think I slept through New Year's, to be honest, but this New Year's is going to be quite amazing. I can I can say that much. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I do prefer uneventful New Year's. Um, this New Year's is also my anniversary, wedding anniversary, uh, but it's also my sister-in-law's birthday. So my wife convinced me to do our anniversary the day before and then drive up an hour to my sister-in-law's house. And the fog, like on almost the entire eastern seaborne, was absolutely nuts. So I oh, made man, sure- yeah, the weather... Yeah, so I made sure not to drink a drop the entire night. So when I'm driving home, I'm like literally like staring as hard as I can, eyes on the road, going 10 miles an hour under the speed limit, making sure we're getting home safe. Yeah, the weather uh, up here has been quite insane. Sure has for you, too. And I, I was saying the other day, you know, I've always wanted to move south. I think if I wait a little bit longer, it's going to be a, it's going to move to me. So I'm just going to hang out here. Yeah, it's been all over the place. It, it's the kind of thing every two or three days, you don't know what to expect. For real, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say I still not have had the opportunity to install Serpent OS into a VM or on a genuine piece of hardware. I did do some more, at least YouTube looking of it, and I will say it does seem like it is a graphical intensive mouse driven operating system, as one must say. But I'm still going to try to install it and give it a shot sooner rather than later. Do you know if it looked a little similar to that Bungie desktop desktop that he was doing at all, or does it look like a whole new thing? Or well, I couldn't find anybody actually just sitting there showing it off. All I saw was a little glimpse. Um, okay, okay. I, I haven't used Bungie in like four or five years. Uh, the panel bar looked like it could have been, but from what I remember, there was like a big fat, like almost uh, old school Chrome OS sidebar. With the clock, literally almost like right now it is with Windows 11, when you click the notifications, you get the whole right side of the screen covered up. And I didn't see that in the screenshots, so I'm not sure. Okay, okay. But but with that said, um, I will say, I mean, I've been playing with, you know, Linux is now for, I'm not going to say half my life. I'm old. I'm not that old. Um, But there were were at least a couple um, Windows managers that I found a link to on its false that I'm like, I, I, I don't understand how I've never seen these before in my life. And none of them sounded like they were new. Yeah. There was a couple on that list too. I was like, Hmm, I have not heard of these. I, I, th- I thought they were new, but then when I clicked on a few, I was like, uh, looks like they've been around for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, um, I believe I have heard of BSPWM. Um, I think there was the one that was Q something. I was like, that must be new, but that it wasn't. I don't remember how long it's been around, but you know, it's like a, I'm assuming a QT based one. Yeah, Q T I L E, and I do believe it was Q T based. It looked very yeah, Q tile, yeah, something right. like that. It looked very i three ish, is what I'm going to say, but it looked a little bit better polished, is what I'll say. Um, there's the one that I don't know if anyone can pronounce, Herbs Tufflevin. 
H E R B S T U F T W M. It looks like it's I'll say heavier than your normal window manager, but um, I love the fact that now there's more things for me to play with. Um, of course, you have the Ice WM, you have awesome uh, I3 Sway. Sway's, I3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sway's one that I did Sway play with. Sway's kind of new, newish or whatever. Yeah, and that's what I got too. When I think Sway, I think like 2014, 2015 was when it came out, and I did play with it for a little bit, and I don't know why it didn't right, stick. Right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I like the fact uh, that I you know, there's even more stuff to play with now. Of course, there's X Monad, and I got to tell you, the screenshots of X Monad make it look much much fresher and newer than when I think of X Monad. Because I think of X Monad, I think of you know like 2002. Do you, do you know who is a? Uh, don't hold me to this, but do you know who I believe is an X Monad user? Um, I do. Th- the only person I think I know that mentioned X Monad out loud was uh, Double M Dan. Oh, I thought you were going to say none other than uh, the Dave Yates. Oh, Dave Yates. That's definitely possible. So, yeah, I, I th- I'm pretty sure I've heard him say before, like, you know, we're talking about a podcast that <laughs> hasn't been out for a very long time, but I'm pretty sure he said he uses it, though. Um, I can believe it because X Monad is one of those ones I do believe. Uh, year versus year, import your configuration and you get what you expect. But I will say the screenshots I'm seeing on the website make it seem like it's much more uh, polished up is what I'm going to say. So like awesome mm-hmm. has only seen like two updates in 10 years. I'm going to guess X Monad is seeing updates a little bit quicker. You know, it's funny is uh, the ghost and I were just talking and Mad Dog would say awesome is it's done. It doesn't mean any more updates. <laughs> Oh, and I'm not going to argue with him. Um, I was uh, speaking with a, I'll just say this, I'm now 50 years old, a young kid at work. I think he's like 28, 26, 28. And he was talking about um, one of his things not getting an update in a while. And I said, you do realize not everything needs to be updated. And he just like stopped right. and looked at me for a second. And I said, if I'm, if I have a simple project doing a simple task and I write my code right, after like the second or third time I updated, I really shouldn't have to update it anymore because it's done. Right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And he just like didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. And I said, no, I understand if I'm relying on like, you know, a IMAP um, service on the back end, I'm going to have to update that because, it, you know, that goes right, through security, security patches. And st- exactly. Exactly. Right. But if I'm doing something simple that I control the stack from beginning to end, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need to update anything. Now, speaking of updating stuff, um, we've went through a couple of things in the past where we talk about how um, Windows clearly is more advanced in some of the things that matter to us. Correct. I'm going to try to at least, you know, tilt the scales the other way a little bit to say, here's one way where I think Linux might be on its way, if not right there to be able to give more better support to Linux than um, to Windows, and that is uh, an application called FU, I'm sorry, FWUPD. Have you ever heard of that one, Jonathan? Yes. I didn't until you sent this link, and when I looked at it, I was like, dude, this is cool. And uh, and I'll just say this also, already seeing the companies that partake in it, it was like, very impressive. Right, and that's the thing, I never heard of it before. It's up to version 1.8.10, like maybe two months ago is what I'm going to say. Okay, um, I'm a huge fan of the um, 
Logitech, um, what I classify them as is multimedia keyboards. Um, a keyboard that you can have sitting on your lap that has a little trackpad and mouse buttons and a full keyboard for you to do like home theater type experiences with. Um, Did I lose you? I'm here. There we go. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, the K400 and the K600 are the two best like desk, like laptop uh, keyboards I have for like home theater experience. Um, and what I didn't know was I was looking at a thing on Bleeping Computer that said there's a vulnerability with the hardware dongle that you plug up and you have instantaneous connection. And the only way you can update it is to update your firmware. And I'm like, uh, update what? Um, this thing has firmware? <laughs> right, I hear you too. Right. So then I found out, oh, there's F U uh, F W U P D. I said, okay, let me just plug it up and see how it works. I installed it. It was the most seamless thing I've ever done in my life. I literally just pl- installed the application, plugged up the dongle, clicked the icon of the taskbar, clicked the hardware, and clicked update, and it just updated the firmware. It was and, dude, and, that is awesome. Well, and in Windows, you have to. And it, here's the whole thing: this one application can support tens, if not hundreds, of different pieces of hardware in your environment. Exactly. If I was on Windows, I would have to install the Logitech, the ex- expressly perfect version of the Logitech software in order for it to be able to update the firmware on the keyboard. So I thought, man, this is one way where Linux actually, kind of like the repos, kind of like um, package managers, this is another way where I think Linux is ahead of Windows when it comes to firmware se- security. Yeah, no, there was Lenovo was on there. There's all kinds of companies, like HP. There's a bunch of companies. I was like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, now that the application name is FWUPD. Uh, if you do some digging around, you'll see uh, FWUPD.org, and it links to what they call the Linux Vendor Firmware Service, LVFM. And this is where you can find out all the different kinds of um, things that support it. Um, yeah, this is the kind of thing. And for now on, I got to make sure when I buy things like wireless keyboards with dongles that they're supported in this software package. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, it, it, I was highly impressed. It, it was awesome to see this. Yeah, it's the kind of thing uh, sneakily and quietly gained providence and stability and structure and support from major vendors and it's a polished experience so whoever are the people behind this all i gotta say is please keep it up uh this is the kind of thing that we need on linux i have uh i guess maybe not necessarily a story but like a a question to pose or whatever and uh you can let me know or not this is we can talk want to talk about or not but i've been getting back you know obviously getting back into linux and I'm, i'm dealing with various operating systems on Linux and distros here or whatever. And I'm running it and I, you know, have been out of the open source world for a little bit. So getting back into it, I now see snap packages and flat packages. What is the uh, theory behind having these two different packaging systems? And is there any actual reason to do use these? Well, okay, first off, I'll say, if anybody out there is a better expert than I, please send us an email. This is the way I perceive it. Um, Snap is Ubuntu, Flatpak is everybody else, a Fedora, essentially. Um, With Snap... Slash Gnome, it seems like. uh, I do think Gnome does have their um, interest in it, is what I'll say. 
Okay, okay, okay. Um, and the way I describe Snap is there's certain distributions now. You cannot, for instance, install Firefox via an apt package. You can only install it via a Snap package. Um, because of license or whatever licensing or something now? I don't know if it's licensing. I think it's strictly because the maintainers like some of the features that snap offers. I do. I, I truly believe it's nothing more than a convenience factor for the maintainers. Um, and on at least the, the Ubuntu's to refresh, to update all of your snap packages, all you have to do is issue a pseudo snap refresh and it should okay. install and update every, uh, snap package that you can, uh, with flat packs. Um, that is a Fedora slash Arch based thing as well. I'm going to say now with that stated on almost every distribution that I've experienced, you can install a flat pack or an app image. To me, they're kind of like kissing cousins. They share some DNA and they right, get along right. kind of thing. Um, flat packs. Um, I don't know if there's any different command to do the updates with them. I will say on my steam deck, everything I install is coming in via a flat pack. Um, if I try to run a Pac-Man uh, dash uppercase S, lowercase S, I believe, uh, nothing ever gets updated. Um, it's only via, via a flat pack. Interesting. Yeah. And now I will say almost if you remember, Jonathan, about mm, six or seven years ago, uh, Arch took big headline uh, smacking because their uh, repository service did not do correct um um what is it a oh, key, like key signing. signing or something like that yeah, yeah exactly so now they do it what i the, what i'm led to believe is flat packs and snaps are doing m- the more secure things like that but to the next degree even better even more for people to not have to worry about it i will say i'm not a fan of the fact that snap is really only being picked up to by the buntus and nobody else um but as long as I run Buntu's, then I'm going to have to put up with that once in a while is what I'm going to say. Yeah, it just seems like yet another, you know, divide or whatever. Like, oh, this way is better. No, this way is better kind of thing. Yeah. So that, that, and I, I figured that's what was kind of going on. But that's why I just figured I'd throw it out there to see if, uh, you know, just in case listeners might be like, hey, what's a flat pack or a snap or, you know. But the thing that I... Uh, because I kind of play, I think I played around. I don't know if I installed the flat packs. I think I installed the snap pack on actually an, an arch based system. And so I, uh, the one thing I didn't seem to like, and I get it, I didn't get too far because I didn't like what it was doing. When I installed the one program, it was like, well, yeah, these other two snaps, it depends on like the other, these other two snaps have to depend that, you know, install that. I'm like, well, how integrated into the system is this really getting then? Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, how much control? Like, I just felt like I was losing access or something to the to the installations to me. I don't know. I, I didn't, like I said, <clears throat> I didn't go far enough to, to get into it, but I just didn't see the purpose of uh, the snaps or the flat packs from, honestly, just, just from that experience. Because I was like, I don't get it. If you install a snap package, I just figured it would pick up the rest of the dependencies within the actual system. Yeah, and, and and you are definitely on the right track because I will say both app images and I believe snaps are their own isolated thing. And what I mean is the old way, if you would download something via app or via something via Pac-Man, 
um, if things were already installed that were dependencies, then it didn't have to reinstall them. Um, with app images, you always get everything over again. And I do believe with snaps, you do get everything over again. Um, also, if you take yeah, a look at your yeah. home, if you take a look at your home folder, you will have a dot snap folder. Um, and it's almost like, hmm. yeah, I don't want to say jails, but it's almost com- like compartmentalized. Yeah, exactly. Folders exactly. Yeah, where yeah. Everything's installed where in, in some ways it makes it easier if you just want to like shift delete. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, part of it is again, maintainers and developers not caring about this space because this space is becoming so cheap. Uh, they feel okay with yeah, doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things as long as the packages work and they don't break between versions, I'm really not going to overly complain, but I will say how many different commands do I have to run just to get stuff updated? an expert i'd be interested in hearing just like why do i want to run either like i guess maybe if i'm running an appliance kind of thing or something i don't know i i don't because like i said i feel like they don't integrate that well into your actual operating system so it's like i don't really get the point you know like i guess you can install LibreOffice that way or something sure but i'm trying to mess around with kind of audio software so like i said I, it just seemed like it wasn't going to be beneficial to me you know but yeah, and like the other example I'll give you is um I think it's um I think it's that old pipe dream of I put out one thing and now a bunch of different people can access it and I don't have to reconstruct it explicitly for all these different platforms, our architectures, desktop environments, Windows managers kind of thing. I think that might be it. Yeah. And, um I mean I mean I get that, but at the same time, like I said, I, I just feel like it doesn't integrate well into the system or whatever. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, though. I don't know. I'm, I probably am. <laughs> well, I think it depends on the system and the launcher and the interface. Um, I will say, and the other like weird thing I noticed was, for instance, if you go to install YouTube-DL on 99% of the things you ever install, you only have YouTube-DL. Um, yet, for some reason on Snap... I get like four or five different versions, like YouTube dash DL dash Mike, YouTube dash DL dash Carl. It's like, what the hell is this? Um, so I think it's easier for, yeah, I think it's easier for small people to put out things maybe. I I, 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 I sort of get that because I'm in, you know, because then you have to figure out how to package for Fedora or how to package, you know, RPM packaging or, you know, it's whatever SUSE does with this to do RPM and, you know, whatever. So I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, it, it it's almost to me like a hybrid between jails or app images and native installs. It's like people don't want to do native installs anymore. Yeah, I wonder if the flat packages like interact a bit more with the system or not. Like, because if it's more, you know, if GNOME has their, you know, more, they're kind of more behind that. I wonder if it ties more into the system. I, again, I don't know. I, I have to learn more, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I hate to say, it, I think it's always one of those things. It depends on um distro maintainers preference speaking of distros i guess you want to swing over to that one that was in the list there there was the one i think i remember the name of it if you don't remember i think it's the uh one the one based off manjaro and open box it was like ma ma box or something like that yeah yeah um this was the one um the split second i saw it i had to send it double end dan's way because he's the only guy i remember who would tout about how good Openbox was 
and how easy it was to use and how it's the one that in air quote everyone should use kind of thing so as soon as i saw this oh, i had for to sure. send I remember it his that way. too yeah and i will say um manjaro not only being a new diabetes medicine that my doctor won't stop shoving it my way but the <laughs> operating system of manjaro um i wasn't a huge fan of it when it came out uh but it does seem like the more i see it the more polished it gets the more um, dude the more it like gets away from what I think of as the old archway of install, update, break mentality, you know they, it seems stable. I yeah, what well, I mean, basically what they did, they they Ubuntu they Ubuntu Arch, you know, they they did what Ubuntu did the Debian, they they Ubuntu Arch and they did it beautifully, and it's it's fantastic what they did to it. When I went to their website recently, I was like very different from the last time i saw their homepage. you're like partners with this company that company like they're doing a lot of crazy like stuff and they like sponsors that are backing them i'm just like man these guys are doing rather well so you probably see a lot of manjaro based uh, operating systems you know right now and 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 i and i think you nailed it they've ubuntu'd arch um and I, I don't want to say it needed it because it really didn't but if you want to compete and you want to get in fresh people's eyeballs and not just gray beards who, you know, shake their fists at everybody. Uh, this is, I think, the path to being more popular. Um, and yeah, every single time I look at it, it just looks cleaner, sharper, better. And I hear plenty of first time people using Linux saying how it, in air quote, just works. And I'm like, wait, 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 you're talking about Manjaro? Oh, okay. Shows you what I know. Well, I, the, 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 their one, I mean, for me, I mean, that, so I base Sonar off of Manjaro and the, like the, when, before Sonar ended and Manjaro is pretty new, but the, the selling point for me, they made a patch for Pac-Man and Manjaro has three branches. And so they have their unstable branch, they have testing and they have stable. And so stable is like, let's say 14 days behind like an actual quote, you know, arch release. Okay. So then Manjaro will take all the arch releases, like all the arch updates, and then they'll, you know, go through and make sure nothing breaks, blah, blah. When they do that, they put it into their stable branch. So if you run your, their stable branch and you do an update, I, I mean, I never broke my system ever, you know? And I mean, yeah, you're 14 days behind arch, but you're five and a half months or, you know 12 months ahead of other distros you know what i'm saying exactly but, you know but if you wanted to run quote unquote unstable that would be like a day behind arch so like you could do like a pac-man command and like switch from their stable branch to unstable do an upgrade and then just be like straight up running their unstable branch and then if you wanted to you could downgrade right back down to stable without even blinking an eye and just keep running like it's so impressive just from that, and so it, that alone is worth building your your operating system on top of. Right. Yeah. And I and and I will say, going through their user guide, it's like the first boot process and all those different things. Then it gets to like keyboard shortcuts, and I gotta say, all these keyboard shortcuts they have baked into this open box Manjaro distro, it's like tickling my fancy, is what I'll say. There you go. And so. Um, yeah, so I, I would highly recommend trying this out. If you, you know, if you want to try out an operating system or a distro, you, uh, I'm sure your feelings won't be hurt with this one. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, and, um, you know, one of the, I think, ongoing things with this podcast is open will always be closed. And um, 
competition is always better um, with more competition. Yes, if you have 300 active Linux distribution, it might seem like it's a little bit of a muddy choice kind of thing. It might be a difficult choice. But in the end, competition only benefits one party, and that is the end user. It always benefits the end user. Well, and honestly, even if even even if there is 300 distros, I mean, some of those or a lot of those are like such a fine-tuned like niche thing. I mean, and but if someone's looking for it, it's the very thing they need, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, and and I still hold with the adage of never settle for a distribution, a spin, or whatever you want to call it. Always search and try to find the distribution that gets you as close to your pristine environment as possible. So when you install that distro, you have to install as few things as possible, tweak as few things exactly. as possible to get you to that perfect, precise, precision uh, sweetness. Exactly. No, yeah, that, that's actually the best way to approach that. Yeah. Um, one link I wanted to bring just as like a PSA uh, public service announcement. Uh, last pass has gone through a lot of uh, news cycles in the last couple of weeks. Um, but the, the long and the short of it is um, all, all the things you've heard and read about it are completely right. At the same token, I do believe a lot of people are being a little bit sensationalistic about it. Um, yes, you could have this one number turned down to one. And if you do that, anybody will be able to basically brute force their way after they get your password to deciphering everything you have in your vault. Um, I know at least now 40 people who've all ran that test on their last pass vault. None of them have the number one. Um, I'm sure Steve Gibson will have people emailing him saying they have number one because he literally has 20 plus thousand people subscribing to his podcast. Okay. Now with that said, um, is last pass the best, most secure, perfect password manager out there? No, no, no. Um, but neither is anything else. Nothing is perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. Uh, if you don't want computer problems, don't have computers. Um, <laughs> that, that's the best answer. Right <laughs> yeah. I mean, every password manager will have compromise. And again, one of my favorite t-shirts I own, my wife bought me. It's Kermit the Frog with Miss Piggy down by his feet. And Kermit the Frog is dressed up like Luke Skywalker holding a lightsaber above his head. So it's the poster of A New Hope. But with Muppets, it's compromise. It's marriage. It's my wedge. My wife loves the Muppets. I love Star Wars. <laughs> okay, so whenever you pick a password management system, you are already accepting a certain amount of compromise. Okay, so right now, TechSpot, you should change your password manager's clipboard, clipboard settings now. PSA, password, man, password managers are probably the safest way to establish and maintain secure passwords but they are not bulletproof. One security setting in particular is perhaps a bit too lax in some managers, which could give attackers a way to grab users' passwords in certain situations. If you use a password manager, you should definitely check out the setting that controls how quickly it clears copied text from the clipboard as it grabs information from this location is a common, uh, is a common tactic of malicious actors. Now, that was the first paragraph. Okay. It could then goes on to say some password managers like Bitwarden and Keeper never clear the clipboard on their default settings. That means 
when you say fill in my password, it never takes the password out of the clipboard. Okay. Now. Last thing in there. Yeah, if I'm a bad guy, the uh, the the very 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 first thing I'm doing once I get access to anything is I'm getting access to your clipboard because we all put important, vital, sensitive things every now and then in our clipboard. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, LastPass, I will say, is one of the only solutions on the market that on any platform never utilizes the clipboard. Is what I'm reading on all the things. So you can. Say LastPass is incompetent. You can say they're insensitive. You can say they're racist. You can say they're Trumpers. You can say they're never Trumpers. It doesn't matter. Um, nothing is perfect. So if you're not using LastPass and you're using another thing, make sure it clears the clipboard at least every now and then. Now, with that said, if I'm a bad guy, I don't care if you clear the clipboard five milliseconds after you use it or five years after you use it. I'm still getting the information. So buyer beware is the way I'll put it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to say out loud again is you don't let the chicken guard the, I mean, you don't let the fox guard the chicken coop. Sorry. You don't let the fox guard the chicken coop. Okay. Uh, If you only have one thing verifying something, that's not security. I only know of one independent audit that has been done to Bitwarden. So as far as I'm concerned, it might as well has not been open source audited because for all I know, that's their best friend. That's their brother-in-law. For all I know, it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, um, I still say if you install their server on your hardware and you use that server, nothing gets stored on that server at all. It's just a pass-through proxy to the main Bitwarden servers. So you're still storing data on their servers. Um, Again, if I'm wrong, so I prove me wrong. Um, three, um, if you're using a product that is free and Bitwarden has a free tier, the next line should be pretty obvious to anybody that you are the product. You're being sold. That's just how technology works here in 2023. So I'll say one option I still have faith in is a uh, solution called LessPass. L-E-S-S-P-A-S-S. Um, the difference is LessPass is a very much like LastPass solution, but it integrates with NextCloud. So if you are hosting NextCloud on a Raspberry Pi in your network, a VM in your network, x86 in your network, or you are renting a, uh, uh, a uh, VSP, a virtual private server, v- VPS, server you can install nextcloud on it and then install LessPass yep, yep. on it then you own the stack you at least can you know, are in control your administrator of the complete stack of software uh, i will say the only in, um, shortcoming with this solution is if you self-host the server yourself it has to be a valid uh https not self-signed certificate that's the only hang-up uh, so right now i can't host my own because i only use self-surfs self-signed certificates because I only trust myself. That's an interesting solution. It's one of those things I have put it on a VPS and I have installed it and I have used it and I am very impressed at how well it works. I just don't want to use anybody else's cert except for a cert where I own the complete stack of where that certificate was made. So can't use it. 
But now that is a cool solution. I might I might check that out though. Oh, I can I, I can tell you the only um trick is if you're doing an import of data from another source, if you do try to import LastPass, there's two options. One of them says um XML LastPass, the other one says XML. For some reason the last time I picked XML LastPass, it wouldn't import, but when I picked XML, it imported just fine. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I don't have a LastPass anyways. I'd be starting off fresh. So. Gotcha. Yeah, and like the first thing I did was I just went and I donated the guy five bucks because I need more people to do products like this. Yeah, like I said, so that, that's very interesting how that works. I, I'm, I, I'm definitely going to check that out. Very cool, very cool. Let me copy, paste that, and then this. Um, yeah, see, one more thing I did not know of um, is there is a command literally called L-S-O-F. And I'll say uh, when I was a Windows administrator, one of the things I found myself doing at least semi-frequently uh, was logging into a server, right-clicking the server, going server properties, then going through services, files, open files, and seeing who is right now accessing this server, who is right now uh, opening files on this server because I need to cut these connections. And, you know, they're locking a file, blah, 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 blah. I never, and I had to do it, honestly, at least once a month, it seemed like on Windows. Um, there's literally LSOF. I ran it on like two distributions down. It literally just works. And all it does is it lists open files on your computer. Now, of course, in my network. That's cool. Right. Uh, in my network, when I run the command, guess what? I should only see my username. So for me, it's not extremely helpful right now, but it's one of those good things where hypothetically, if I have a service on a box running wild, at least I'll be able to tell what's going on. No, that is a cool. Is, again, this is a, another example of the, the power of Linux. I mean, Linux crushes Windows all day long in a lot of areas. And, you know, and this is certainly the area where Linux can flex for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, um, one of the old truths is what I want to say of the Windows operating system was everything about it was not designed to be um, on a network. Not any of it was actually designed to be uh, multi-user um, where everything involving right. Linux was designed from the ground up to be multi-user. I mean, and I didn't have to install anything on the boxes. I just literally typed LSOF and voila, it works. Now, with that said, I guess if I could sit through Klaatu going through every command on a Slackware install, I might have known about this. But me being me, <laughs> like 99 out of 100 commands he mentions, I'm like, yes, I either know about that one or, dear God, I don't need that command. Uh, or it's only a command that's used by other applications doing like backend processing. So when he starts to talk about, here's another list of commands, here's another like six or 10 commands. Oh, oh, it, it just starts to sound like wah, 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 And I just, you know, skip. The, uh, well, are you, are you mentioning, because you, you had a list of like 50 commands. I was, I was perusing through those and those definitely bothered brought back some cartoon memories for sure there were some commands on there though i was like i didn't know these existed but those it would have been useful at the time you know when i went back when i was in college you know doing more programming and stuff then um some of those commands in there like when i can't remember the exact command but it was like 
it'll it'll get you back to directories like a lot of common directories that you've been jumping back and forth between without having to type the whole path out. I was like, that's cool. It was like tons of like shortcut stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That one was on dev dot two, which I will say, um, I find myself using that domain more and more, even though um at least half of the time when I follow a link there, they are way over my head talking about stuff. But that command, I believe it was Z-O-X-I-D-E. And of course, that's it. Why in the hell would you know about that command? It's called Z-O-X-I-D-E. And it says, let you jump to any directory without needing to remember or specify its full path. So quite literally, if you just remembered three characters in that domain, it was almost like doing a reverse command search, but you're only searching for exactly. Yeah. Um, there's at least one or two of these commands that basically I shouldn't be showing on YouTube because they're profane in nature. Um, exactly. But they're also really useful is what I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, this is the kind Dude, of thing. Dude, I couldn't believe that first one. I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's the one I could definitely see double and Dan like loving and like abusing. Um, but yeah, uh, there, uh, now a couple of these, I will say are extremely visual commands like um exa is a better version of ls it's more graphical more visual uh duf was a better df a disk utilizing thing uh the one that i honestly as soon as i saw i said yeah, i have to yeah some of those that... yeah um the one that i had to immediately say some of those that i saw even though they're visually more appealing i was surprised that they offered that that, that the terminal would do that well, and, and that's the thing. The terminal really can be as functional as you need it to be. You just got to either find the right tool or find the right tweaking of tools. Like the one that I thought was fantastic was literally called D-I-F-F-S-O-Fancy. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a better version of diff that shows incredible amount of colors and highlighting to be able to let you see differences in two sets of files extremely easy um so yeah this is the kind of page i literally bookmark and then once a year i'll have to go back and peruse and say yes that's what i was looking for that's what i was thinking of because i like making things easy yeah no that's an extremely uh, useful uh, site there then yeah and that's the kind of thing um i will say oh man i don't have the normal browser bricks up um okay there's been a couple tools i've seen in the past that allow me to click a button and not just bookmark a website or a web page, but literally create my own personal archive site. Uh, That's I wanna, interesting. I want to say the last one might have been called Ace Link. Let me try to just do a quick A C E L I N K. Let me see if I'm right. Uh, absolutely not. This does not look right at all. Um, but I will say there are these kinds of solutions out there. Uh, they're always self-hosted. Um, I need to see if I can get one of these up and running because I like having my own personal archiving of this kind of information because, uh, you know, every now and then you go to a domain, domain don't exist anymore. So I like being able to save it for myself. Oh, so is it like, like kind of download that page or whatever? Yeah, and there's been more than a couple of these in the past. Um, um, most of the time, if it, I would love to be able to add my own personal tags to them. And the real reason why is I would like to save it and bookmark it and then tag it as being Linux for the rest of us or AAA ooh, ooh. or mini PC. Uh, and most of the solutions I see out there, um, they're 
especially when they're intended for note taking, uh, like the one that uh, Adam uh, Corolla, Adam, what's yeah, his, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? What's his name? No, oh, no, 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 not Adam Corolla. I know you. Um, okay. Man, Him. I know you. No agenda guy. Yes. The one he uses, it looks great. Curry. Adam Curry. Curry but it's in, it, it, it's obviously intended to be only used for like one show. So I can't use it. Oh, right. Because then you have to like have different like instances or whatever. If you want like you have to do a per show kind of thing. Aha, Link Ace, L I N K A C E, your self hosted bookmark archive utility. This was the one that I was looking at. Um, because when Ooh. you bookmark it, you have the choice to either bookmark it or, or, or automatically archive it as well. So this was the one I think I was trying to look at. The issue being right now, I already have one 443 IP being pushed through my firewall. That is my next cloud. So I don't know if I could have multiples push through one IP address. I'm pretty sure that's not possible unless I try to host it through a different port. Yeah, that'd be that's pretty cool. I'm gonna check that out too. Well, it like harkens back to you know you you have a choice. You can be a user or you can be an administrator. You know what I mean? Um, dare I say? I watched a great little documentary thing, uh, Jonathan. It, it is also on my Plex server, literally called The Making of Tron. And that was like one of the things I kept harkening back with. You can be a user or you can be a um, program kind of thing. I prefer to be a user. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be in the arcade getting high score and not just playing to my death in a disc death match. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I do not believe we have any emails, but I will also say I am really bad at organization and emails, so I do not believe we have any. And I will say, if I do get any, I will try to forward them to you as soon as I get them, just so you yeah, can no you can call me out and say yes, you do have an email. Or if we again, if we have any flat pack or snap professionals, send us an email. Oh yeah, or yeah. Any- or any other, anyone else that wants to ask any questions. Not that I can answer them, but Dor can. Well, if anybody has any deeper knowledge on, because to me, it's really three different ecosystems. You have app images, which are like the old school BSD way of doing it. Then you have flat packs, which seem to be derived from Fedora CentOS. And then you have Snap, which is the Ubuntu thing. But of course, every distribution can pick and choose and use everything if they want. Um, What's the reasons? What's the advantages? What's the disadvantages? Um, is it the future? Because I think the developers are acting like it's the future of all package management systems, which kind of scares me a little. Me too. So until next time, use open source always and as often as you can. Bada bing. I love you, Jonathan. Uh, if you want to send us an email, easy. Uh, podcast at linuxfortherestofus.com. You want to send us a voicemail, it's easy. 7076 uh podnut or you can just go to the website and click the button to say contact us and as long as you don't come off as a nigerian prince we'll get your email um there you go yeah uh with that jonathan hope to talk to you again real soon and do not forget linux is not just for the experts around here but is also available for the rest of us that's for sure